This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, as I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented. And yes, you can script everything but the outcome. That's why, once again, this time of year is so much fun. And in our complex world, there are objective truths and there are personal feelings. And our job tonight and every night is to make sure you don't confuse the two. And on that note, I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And I want to remind you, if you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. That's why Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Tonight, I'll open by giving sort of a quick rundown of what happened today in college football and what we expect next starting tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time. It all comes together. And then, of course, we're going to delve in heavily to the 13 uh, week, check that week, 13 games in the NFL. And why this weekend on paper is one of the most challenging, as many of these are really de facto playoff games. You got seven road favorites as well. And I'll talk about an emerging trend. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Chris Plank. And we'll chop up the future of the Oklahoma Sooners. And Chris will help take us behind the curtain. This is a team that's gone to four straight playoffs, uh, but they won't be going this year. Still a proud program with decades of history. We'll see where they go from here. After Brian Finley's update, we will touch upon this phenomenon I mentioned earlier with uh, 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 the, uh, the earlier show before me, Jason Martin and Aaron Torres. Uh, the home field advantage is ostensibly gone in the NFL. I'm going to talk about why and some certain examples. And then uh, we're going to close down with the three best bets that the pros are on in the uh, NFL this week sports are entertainment but they're more than that they're a shared experience as such people want to talk about them you've come to the right place we've got a lot to talk about tonight this is straight out of vegas the pregame show you always wanted as they say in bud grant minnesota it's gonna be lit well it's all over but the shouting huge props huge credit to the university of michigan uh they they did it they have to the victors go the spoils their fans were singing mr brightside a great hit by the killers Back in 2005, I always liked that song. So you didn't know it was this hip, did you? Well, they get to. They get to beat their chest now because they did everything was asked. What do I expect to happen when you wake up tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, and the selection committee, after putting their heads together, make a rock pile and giving you their final four? Well, look, this is kind of a no-brainer this year. Alabama thumped the number one team, and they did it in fine fettle. I believe Alabama will be number one. Michigan will be number two, Georgia would be number three, and Cincinnati, very well-deserving Cincinnati Bearcat team, very happy to see them finally get their just due, will be number four. What do I expect the lines to be, assuming those are the matchups? Alabama minus 14 over Cincinnati, Georgia minus nine over Michigan. Now, uh, just to set the record straight, uh, because I heard Jason and Aaron talking about this, the line is not a predictor in Las Vegas. It's merely an instrument to create equal betting action on both sides. And the lines are based on math, not personal opinion, not feelings, not who's playing good lately. They're based on math and power ratings. The market will decide from there. 
Uh, if Georgia opens at 9, I think it might stay there. I think you'll see Michigan action come in. But I also think if Bama opens at 14, you're going to see it steam to maybe 15 or 16. We'll see. We'll know. Uh, and I'll come back next week and talk about it. By then, it'll be probably a stale uh, conversation. Congratulations to the fan, though, by the way, who walked into Bet MGM uh, and Bet Michigan 2,500 to win 50,000, 201 just to make the playoffs back in August. That's what you call faith. And look, uh, people have asked me, what's so different about Michigan this year? Well, they brought in a whole new coaching staff. They've always recruited well. The school, the, the school recruits itself. I mean, look how many players they've put in the NFL uh, in the last 10 years, even though they haven't really been winning. But their new defensive coordinator for starters, Mike McDonald, who comes over from Baltimore, five years in the Baltimore Ravens organization. He's a phenomenal. He's a, he's a genius. And he's done a, he's done a, you know, a, a, an incredible job with that defense, statistically and otherwise. And Jim Harbaugh has given him the autonomy to do his job. And that, to me, has been, I think, what I understand the biggest difference in the culture in Michigan, that Harbaugh has backed off. Bo Schembechler always said most people mellow with age. Maybe Harbaugh's one of them. And he's allowed his staff that they've assembled, and it's crack staff at Michigan, to do their job flat out. Interesting uh, sort of a betting you know, phenomenon today in college football. The books needed Baylor. They got him. The books needed Alabama. They got him. The books needed Cincinnati. Teams, you know, folks were on Oklahoma State. They were on Georgia tickets out. Georgia tickets in the ratio outnumbered Bama 15 to 1. That means for every Bama bet, there were 15 Georgia bets. 81% of the money was on Georgia. And, I, you know, look, you give Nick Saban points. He'd been 92 games in a row where he was a favorite. The last time he was a dog was in October of 2015. They were at Georgia. They were getting one and a half. Michigan, or check that, Bama won 38 to 10. So I grabbed, I couldn't believe the line went to six and a half. Could not believe it. It's an auto bet for me. Just one unit. I didn't go crazy, but I never really had to worry. I, if you doubt Nick Saban, doubt him at your own, at your own, uh, you know, uh, risk, as it were. 64% of the tickets were on Michigan, so the books maybe gave some back there. A couple of very large bets at BetMGM. One poor gentleman put two hundred and seventy-five grand on Oklahoma State minus five and a half. You saw how that worked out. On the other hand, uh, somebody put one hundred and sixty-five thousand on Michigan minus ten and a half, and I'm sure they're dancing in the aisles uh, right now. Uh, for what it's worth, the favorites in the past five years in the conference championship games, including all the way up to through the final four, the semifinals, and the final, favorites have gone twenty-eight and three straight up. So you had a couple of dogs went out right today. Maybe there's more parity. Baylor went out right as a dog. Obviously, Alabama went out right as a dog, but they're not a dog. But they went out right as a dog. Interestingly enough, in that same stretch, only 18 and 13 against the number, right? So, um, but Cincinnati, they, they, they hung their 10. Uh, they, they had a double-digit, uh, they laid 10 and a half, and they covered. Michigan covered as well. So, so there you have it. Uh, I think that, you know, I, this is one of those years where everything just kind of worked out. It, it fell into place with Oklahoma State losing today. Uh, it would have got, only gotten interesting. Had Oklahoma State won and had Bama lost, the question would have been, would the committee put in a two-loss Alabama team over Cincinnati? Would they put in Cincinnati over Oklahoma State? Obviously, Cincinnati, had they lost, they would have dropped out. 
But none of that happened. So a lot of times we worry for nothing. I think, you know, we have the four most representative teams. And, and this is going, the system is always going to be flawed as long as there are five power conferences and there are only four seeds. And this is, by the way, the first non-power conference entered Cincinnati to be part of the Final Four. And they are very well-deserving. I thought they were very well-deserving last year. So let's just see what happens. It'll all uh, come to fruition three weeks from next Friday, New Year's Eve. There'll be the, the first game will kick off, I believe, in the Cotton Bowl at 1230 Pacific. And the second game will kick off, I believe, 430 Pacific. And then we'll have our final entrance when those two teams are decided, or those two games are decided. And it'll all be for all the marbles on Monday, on Monday, uh, January 10th. All right, really fun, interesting NFL this year. I'm going to talk about this later in the show, but one of the phenomenons we're seeing is that home field advantage in the NFL has really gone the way of the dodo bird. It is not non-existent, but if you look at the hard numbers, if you if you bet home teams this year, whether or not they were getting points, and by the way, there are seven home dogs tomorrow. Uh, or this weekend. If you blindly bet home teams this year, you'd only be cashing 43% rate, and you'd be in line for bankruptcy. Uh, you'd be 78 and 101 all overall. If you bet home dogs blindly, 37 and 37, so uh, that's against the spread. But if you bet home favorites, which is what the public likes to do, 41 and 64, merely 39%. And that is a recipe for disaster. And, you know, there are there are some very interesting games tomorrow. Uh, Miami, not now that Daniel Jones is out, Miami, I believe, is up to six and a half or seven. Uh, and out of nowhere, this game actually has playoff implications for both teams because the Dolphins have won four straight. See, I told you a few weeks ago, I compared Tua to other quarterbacks in the NFL who had started very slowly but turned themselves into bona fide NFL starters who could be the difference between their team winning or not. You know what Tua has done the last two weeks? He joined the ranks of Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Kyler Murray because he was only one of three quarterbacks in 60 years to have consecutive games where he had at least 30 pass attempts and at an 80% completion rate. Add that to the fact the way the Dolphins' defense has been playing, that's going to be a difference maker tomorrow. Now, the Giants uh, would have really needed Daniel Jones to step up and give him a big performance to have a chance. He's not going to play. It is a national football league. You take nothing for granted. But it seems to me like Miami uh, gets it done tomorrow. Another team that is maddening, the Minnesota Vikings. They're laying seven at Detroit tomorrow. No Dalvin Cook. Uh, the, Vi- the Lions almost beat the Vikings in week five. Divisional games always have a way of being close. And poor Vikings, uh, you know, they outgained the Bears last uh, – check that, check that, check that. Forget I said that. No, folks, I haven't been drinking. Stay with me. Let me go back to the Lions, Vikings, and the one stat you need to hear. Winless teams. Remember, the Lions are still winless, and they could have easily won two or three games. They took ball. I mean, Baltimore, you know, had like a 98-yard field goal. They've had a couple games. They really blew it against the Bears. That was there for the taking. They're still a winless team. Winless teams after Week Nine in the NFL. And by the way, this goes back 
32 years. This has happened a lot, okay? 47 and 32 against the spread. That's 59%. So the Vikings are expensive. Another road favorite divisional game. I feel like the Vikings win, but I feel like the Lions can hang that number. And, uh, you know, the Lions are no great shakes. They don't have DeAndre Swift tomorrow. And by the way, uh, even though the, the game was close last week, with the Bears. The Bears outgained the Lions 378 to 239. 239 yards in a National Football League game. Uh, that is not going to get it done. We're going to be with you till 3 a.m. Eastern. We're going to get a ton with the NFL. In about an hour, we'll have Fezzik and the Fezzik Five coming up. Just a couple teasers there. But up next, uh, we're going to go out to Oklahoma. Chris Plank, the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, big news this week involving one of the most storied programs in all of college football. So we're going to find out where do they go from here? I don't know, home, dinner, maybe a show, but I digress. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Carmen and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and we Wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios at this time. And let's welcome in a gentleman. You hear him every Sunday night on these airways, Fox Sports Radio from 8 p.m. Pacific to 11 p.m. along with Arnie Spanier. And of course, as part of the flagship for the Oklahoma Sooners, Sports Talk 1400 AM in Oklahoma. Say hello to Chris Plain. Chris, good morning. What's up, Bernie Fratto? How are you, man? Doing well. Doing well. Lots on the calendar. Let's jump right to it. And I'm going to start with sort of a very pointed question. If Oklahoma beats Baylor last week, does Lincoln Riley leave? Um, If Oklahoma would have won Bedlam against OHU last week, yeah, I think he still leaves, Bernie. But I I don't think that it's Sunday night. I I, I thought Saturday night into Sunday morning, however – you want to phrase it? I, I think it's a situation that would have played out, um, but that's just me. You know, I, that's my opinion on it. If if they actually call the pass interference in the in the Bedlam game that they called in the Big Twelve Championship game today at the end of that game, then then maybe we're having a different conversation. But I think it was inevitable. You know, I, I think this is something that was in the works for a while. I, I don't think that it's something that just magically came together. Now you, you got to take Lincoln Riley at his word. But I don't think it's anything that magically came together in the span of a nap and a Zoom call. So I think the wheels were in motion for this. And once Oklahoma lost Bedlam, I'm pretty sure that all bets were uh, were off for Lincoln Riley to potentially be the head coach of Oklahoma in, uh, gosh, either the Camping World Bowl or Alamo Bowl or wherever the hell they end up. And he's off to USC. So, no, I, I don't think it would have happened, but I think it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so you've got a program, right? The Oklahoma Sooners, a storied program with decades and decades of success, including four straight playoff appearances. They won't be there this year. But how do they get back there, Chris? Because they've been as uh, as prevalent in the playoffs as anybody. Well, I think there's there's still the core of what's made them a great program on this campus right now, and that's the players. You know, I, I know that everyone sees, oh, my gosh, the transfers of Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Wees and the transfers of Austin Stogner and Spencer Rattler, but three of those four guys – weren't impact players this year, you know, and that's even talking about the quarterback that had led them to an undefeated start. You know, the guy that I think can make the difference for them is still on campus. Now, how long is Caleb Williams on campus? We'll see. Um, And beyond the players, I think the core of that coaching staff, you know, only two members of the coaching staff so far have gone with Lincoln Riley to California. And I think, you know, two to three really key pieces are still here, including Oklahoma offensive line coach Bill Beanbow, whom from everything that I've learned this week, and I'm by no means I'm trying to be scoop on this story by any stretch of the imagination, Bernie, but Bill Beanbow wants to stay in Oklahoma, and he's the run game coordinator, essentially. He's the offensive line coach. He's a stud. So uh, Oklahoma is is still in a position personnel-wise and with the coaches that have stayed around to where they can be successful now. The question is, are, I don't think they're, they're hiring a sitting head coach. I, I don't think that this is a situation where a Dave Aranda is going to get the job. I don't think this is a situation where Shane Beamer is going to get the job. I think it's down to a couple of guys, including um, uh, Brent Venables, who's been my guy from day one, uh, Dan Lanning out of Georgia, or you know maybe, gosh, even a Tony Elliott has been getting a lot of buzz recently. But uh, from, my, from, from my perspective, from someone who – kind of lives this every single day, I think the, the the stars are still there. You know, this is it is it in shambles right now when you think about the 2022, they've lost four members of the 2022 and four members of the 2023 recruiting class. Absolutely, right? Is it concerning when you see some of these guys that have transferred out? Sure. Are there more that could go? Absolutely. But the core of it is still there for Oklahoma to be a really good football team next year. Uh, and not be as far away from a playoff team as it might seem with Lincoln in L.A. Let's revisit this potential next coach situation. You mentioned Brent Venables, and I bet a lot of people don't know he was there for 12 years up until 2011, so he's not uh, unfamiliar with the Oklahoma scene. If it's going to be him, shouldn't it have happened by now? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, if it would have happened by now, then maybe Joe Castiglione didn't get an opportunity to interview a couple of guys that he wanted to talk to on Championship Saturday uh, or after Championship Saturday. And I'm not speculating on a Luke Fickle or a Dave Aranda or anyone of that nature, but, you know, I I, I hear that a lot. And, Bernie, I completely understand it because I feel the same way. But you might feel like you have your guy, but, you know, Joe sees very stealthy is a word I hear a lot. Uh, in these in these conversations, but maybe when it came to a Dan Lanning, and just use him as an example, the Georgia assistant coach said, "Listen, I, I would love to talk to you about this job." A Dave Randall might say, "I'd love to talk to you about this job, but I'm not doing it until after my team plays in a championship game." And you can decide at that point. All right, am I gonna am I gonna go ahead and hire uh, Brent Venables, who might end up being the guy after all, or? Am I going to take that opportunity to talk to a few people that might end up wowing me and being my next Bob Stoops, right? So 
I, I understand that. That's that's the fans' mindset. That's a lot of the insiders' mindset. Hey, if it's Brent Venables, it would have happened already. And I, I just I disagree with that. Uh, well, I think I, Joe, I didn't mean to imply that it was more of an inquiry. Yeah, no, no, I understand. Um, I just I think Joe C's Joe Castiglione, on the OU athletic director, is very thorough, Bernie. Uh, he's going to go through this. He's been a stud uh, at keeping this thing private. In fact, it's been so private, I think it's led to a lot of people throwing darts uh, and missing badly. You know, the Matt Rule rumors were right. uh, swing and a miss. There's been a lot of this is done. I mean, uh, listen, I've been I've been at the forefront of basically being on standby every single day for something to potentially go down. And it feels like, all right, uh, maybe tomorrow. All right, maybe tomorrow. So I think we all kind of fall into this trap and you get worried about people leaving that it needs to happen fast. But Bernie, you're also looking at a almost a billion dollar decision in the business of college athletics that I don't think you need to make uh, in a hurry to save a couple recruits. Talking with Chris Plank, you hear him on these airwaves, Sunday nights, 8 p.m. to 11 Pacific with Arnie Spanier and, of course, part of the Oklahoma Sooners flagship 1400 Sports Talk. You brought up a good point with respect to a new coach being someone who's either working somewhere else as a head coach now or not, whether it's Shane Beamer, Dave Aranda, I, even, I mean, I, Matt Campbell, I don't think there's much of a chance of that, or Luke Fickle. But here's the thing, Chris. Do you want to bring in a guy who this is his first entree into being a head coach when you're getting ready to go to the SEC, um, other, among other things, and you've got big shoes to fill, doesn't it seem like there's a bit of a double-edged sword? If you bring in someone new and it's their first job, it's going to be a situation where they're learning on the job. That could be a problem. Sure, um, but that's been the Joe Castiglione way. You know, outside of a couple of basketball coaches, Bernie, his MO has been assistance. And, you know, Joe, uh, Bob Stoops, whenever he was hired, I know we're going back to 1998, but he was a defensive coordinator with zero head coaching experience. And Lincoln Riley in 2015, or pardon me, 17, whenever he was given the job, was an assistant with zero head coaching experience. And, you know, you start kind of looking around college football, and that's been the MO for success. You know, you're looking at the playoffs right now, and, I mean, listen, they got smoked today, but you're looking at Georgia with a head coach that had zero head coaching experience in the SEC whenever he took that job. So I'm with you. You know, I kind of like to bring in a guy that maybe has been a head coach and kind of has his way of doing things. But, again, that's just that's kind of gone against what Joe has done. Now, at their press conference on Tuesday that they had whenever they introduced Bob Stoops as the interim head coach – you know, Joe was asked. Coach uh, Joe Castiglione was asked that question, and his point was: Listen, it's um, it's kind of a plan that that I've had that's worked. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm going to deviate from it, but I'm also not saying that I'm hard, you know, and fast for it. So I, I just I feel like Bernie, when you start looking around, maybe the better candidates right now are guys that are assistants, uh, and that sounds crazy because. You know, you look at the Beamers and you look at the Matt Campbells and you think that they're really good prospects here. But, and and again, I love Oklahoma to my core. I've lived here, you know, ever since I graduated from college in 97. But maybe just for a guy, and I keep going back to Shane Beamer, maybe Shane Beamer at South Carolina one year in, it doesn't feel like uprooting everything. Josh Heupel, same at Tennessee, doesn't want to uproot everything. Matt Campbell feels pretty good about things and aims. So not saying those guys were candidates, but sometimes it can be hard to uproot those guys regardless of how much you're offering. 
No, that's very true. Uh, Shane Beamer might be a real fine, though. He was there in 2018, part of the staff. You guys averaged almost 50 points a game. And actually, he's improved South Carolina quite a bit. proving And he recruited Caleb Williams. Yes, a lot of four-star recruits. So he can recruit as well. Final thing, we got about a minute. Uh, I don't know how to react to the rumors. I, I, have a huge, I have huge respect for Lincoln Riley. It's hard for me to believe he bolted because he didn't want the team to go to the SEC, but you know better than anybody. How do you react to that? Yeah, yeah me neither. And, and this, it's not popular to, to, to have Lincoln's back, I, I, but, but I don't think he bolted because the SEC. I don't think that there was any scandals going on. That's kind of become a hot rumor today in some people's minds. I think that there's a lot of angry people. Uh, and I think Lincoln Riley, in his mind, saw a chance to build his own thing at USC. Uh, the Pete Carroll era has a lot of dust on it. You know, it's 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 been uh, dormant for a while at USC. The Bob Stoops era was still kind of fresh, and now he's got a chance to go out to USC and build his own thing. We'll see if it works, uh, and if he brings USC back to prominence, which I think he will, yes. or we'll see if he pulled a Franchoni and made the wrong choice. Great stuff, Chris. Let's get you on again uh, down the road when Oklahoma gets their new coach, and we look forward to a prosperous 2022 for the Sooners, and good luck with your softball team. Yeah, thanks, Bernie. I appreciate it, man. Have a great rest of your show. Thanks. That's Chris Plank. you hear him tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Pacific, with Arnie Spanier here on Fox Sports Radio, and, of course, part of the flagship with uh, Oklahoma Sooner softball and football 1400 sports talk in Oklahoma. Coming up. What happened to the home field advantage in the NFL? I'll explain. But first, you know, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in an update, well, you go to Brian Finney with the latest. Well, Bernie, thank you so much. It sounds like you're channeling your, your M&M there. I like it. As far as college football, let's begin there. And number two, Michigan plastering 13th-ranked Iowa 42-3. to en route to the Big Ten Championship, so the Wolverines picked that up for the first time in 17 years. 15th-ranked Pittsburgh overcomes 16th-ranked Wake Forest 45-21 to capture the ACC title. The Demon Deacons were held scoreless those last 13 drives. They had touchdowns in their first three, and then that Pittsburgh defense dominates. Number four, Cincinnati stays undefeated during the season, 13-0 after that home win to grab the AAC title over number 21 Houston 35 to 20 Bearcats quarterback Des Ritter three touchdown tosses and then there was Cincy running back Jerome Ford 187 yards rushing along with two scores how about what Bryce Young did to Georgia and that top ranked vaunted defense Bryce Young four touchdowns the Bama quarterback as he led number three Bama over number one in those Georgia Bulldogs 41 to 24 to stake out the SEC title. As far as what happened in Carson, California, just south of downtown Los Angeles, it was the Mountain West title, and it went to Utah State. 46-13, they took it to number 19, San Diego State. Again, 46-13, the final score, and stayed in Utah State. Quarterback Logan Bonner had four touchdowns. He accounted for 318 yards passing. Then there was number nine, Baylor. And as Bernie 
pointed out the books like this because there was an upset and they took down number five Oklahoma State 21 to 16 to grab hold of the Big 12 crown. And what a dramatic finish this was, Bernie. The Cowboys had this long drive at the end of the game and they were right on the doorstep looking for that touchdown. And on fourth and goal, they finished just inches away from the goal line. So the Baylor Bears, they get the job done, which makes it very interesting with that final four when it comes to the college football playoff conversation, Bernie, which we are going to find all about on Sunday. With that, let's send it back to our man in Las Vegas. It's our guy, Bernie Fratto. Thank you, Brian. About nine hours and 26 minutes away from the final four, although I think based on what took place in the field today, a lot of the mystery has been removed. Speaking of mystery on the field, home field advantage in the NFL, let's face it, it's just about gone. This year, if you bet home field teams, you're only cashing 43% of the time, 78-101. Now, if you bet home dogs, of which there are seven tomorrow, you're 37-37. and But if you bet home favorites, which is what the public likes to do, 41-64 and against a number, 39%, that's a recipe for disaster. So the real issue is that it used to be home away splits were sort of the, the topic that was always debated in the world of sports betting. And that was a metric that some people paid heavy attention to while others felt it was less critical. But no matter which side of the fence you fall on, this season has completely stood out in terms of these splits, and we have pretty significant data after 12 weeks, as, as I just mentioned, right? And there are some very glaring examples. First and foremost, the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, this is a team that was in the Super Bowl three or four years ago. They have the distinction of being the only team in the NFL yet to cover a game at home. They're 0-4 against the spread, and yes, they've got a tough home game against Tampa Bay up next, and I get get that the spread for the Bucks is... Bucks are laying like 10 at Atlanta, according to WinBet. But be that as it may, what did I just say? Home dogs, they're just 500. So, and Atlanta's really trending in the wrong direction. And this is the time last year that Tampa Bay got it together. They're coming off not a great performance. We'll talk about this game in about an hour. But the long and the short of it is, don't wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta didn't cover tomorrow. And there are four teams who have one home win against the spread, the Saints, the Steelers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and yes, the Kansas City Chiefs. They all fall into that group. One home win against the spread. The Saints are one and three against the number at home, while the other three teams that I just mentioned, the uh, Saints, Steelers, Jags, and Chiefs, or check that, the Steelers, Jags, and Chiefs, they're one and five. Now, Jaguars are on the road this week against the Rams, but the other three are all playing at home in week 13, and we'll get to those. The Saints are four-and-a-half-point home underdogs against the Cowboys. The Steel, Well, they were, actually, Thursday. You saw what happened there. Dallas covered. The Steelers are three-and-a-half-point uh, three home dogs tomorrow, actually up to four-and-a-half against the Ravens, and that's a divisional game. And of the trio, only the Chiefs are home favorites this weekend in a game against the Denver Broncos. Yes, it's a... Divisional game that the Broncos are very unpredictable. Patrick Mahomes and company currently about 10-point home favorites. But up until two, three weeks ago, the Chiefs were like 3-17 and 17 against the number. You're always going to pay the Chiefs tax. But 
you really can't trust this Broncos team. Why? What's the theory? Why is home field advantage dwindling so fast? Couple things. First of all, today's NFL offenses basically take crowd noise out of the game. It's a quick answer, but NFL offenses have actually figured out how to put even the most stout defenses on their heels and take hometown fans out of the game. David Carr, the brother of Derek Carr, former number one draft pick from back in 2002, he told a story from his career when he was with the Houston Texans one year. Uh, they went into Indianapolis to play the Colts. The fans were really loud, and basically he knew they were at the mercy of the crowd noise, and the scoreboard was encouraging the crowd noise. But today, NFL teams are a lot more smart in their advanced ability to communicate on offense. They, they are far more advanced on silent cadences, hurry-up offenses, no-huddle offenses, and that gives the hometown PA a little less opportunity to whip the crowd and do the frenzy. As a matter of fact, the L.A. Chargers, uh, one of the more high IQ teams in football, I believe, have created what they call a, quote, secret snap. And after they break the huddle, their center, Corey Lindsley, he stops, he talks to the quarterback, Justin Herbert, while everyone else lines up. Now, on the defensive side, no one's expecting a snap. You see the, the uh, linebackers standing around and defensive linemen, sometimes they'll still have a knee on the ground. And all of a sudden, Lindsley suddenly snaps the ball. The defense is caught totally off guard. See, it used to be in the NFL, defenses had the upper hand. They were free to attack, beat the crap out of you, punish, disrupt, knock your brains out. Rules have changed. And these days, there are more good quarterbacks in the league. And the offenses have really it swung over to an offensive league because the offense dictates the terms of engagement now in battle. And so the defenses are left to react. And they're left to guess. And they're left to hang on for their lives. And as for the fans, they still provide an emotional lift when their team has the ball. But rarely do they have the power anymore to take an opposing offense out of the game. And that's why NFL home field advantage is vanishing. Just ask the 49ers. They're 1-6 at Levi Stadium since the start of the 2020 season. Lost all three, quote, home games last year while playing in Arizona because of COVID mandates. But somehow they're 7-3 and three in road games. Now, this has actually been sort of developing for a while. And uh, I think one one factor, and this is significant, is the increased physical and mental ease of team travel. NFL teams employ, they actually employ sleep scientists for rest logistics. And new technology uh, allows teams to continue game preparation while they're traveling. But it's not that home field advantage has no impact. Let's not go that far. But when you consider the fact that 20 years ago, home teams had a 62% win rate and a 53% cover rate, you see that the statistics I just gave you, the cover rate's now down to 43%, uh, or just the, the win rate's down to 43%, and the cover rate is 39%. You see now that these are simply a factor. And there's a whole lot of statistics that I've compiled that I'm going to sort of delve into as this continues between now and the remainder of the year, because how you handicap is different than how we used to handicap. We both know the term sharps and squares. Squares like to bet favorites, and you are always considered square if you bet a, quote, road favorite. Why would you do that? Why would you lay points on the road? Well, now you don't look so askance at people who do that, especially when you got very good teams like Indianapolis laying points on the road at Houston 
Can you really expect Houston to hang that number? Maybe they will. Philly Lane points at the New York Jets, and we're going to get into the mechanics of these games. Atlanta laying nine and a half. Uh, check that. Tampa Bay laying nine and a half at Atlanta. Baltimore laying points at Pittsburgh. Another divisional game. It's not like it used to be. Tomorrow, after everything's said and done, now Monday, Monday night game, Buffalo's a home favorite against New England. But tomorrow, after everything's said and done, go back and do a little homework. It's worth it. And keep track of how many home teams won outright, how many teams covered. Then go and look at how many of the dogs, home dogs covered versus how many of the home favorites. Not only won, but covered. And see how close it comes to that traditional 12-week statistic we had where you've got home dogs 50-50, but home favorites only at 39%. Coming up, I'm going to touch briefly on the coaching carousel in college, one coach in particular, and give a couple of the bets that the pros like tomorrow. If you're a valued customer, you deserve a simple gesture of appreciation from your credit card company. And that's why Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Frado. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. Brian Fenley, Chris Perfett, and Bo Benson turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. And they will be with me and the rest of you all the way until 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern as we get you ready for NFL Sunday, among other things. And, of course, uh, chop up the college football uh, phenomenon, which is sort of called the playoff. And, uh, by the way, before I get to the three bets that the pros like this week, um, there is a real coaching carousel this year, right? Virginia Tech hired a new guy, Brent Pry. LSU hired Brian Kelly. Florida hired Billy Napier. Washington, Kalen DeBoer. The big smash, uh, Lincoln Riley. Goes to USC, and in the coming weeks, I'll have my thoughts on why I think that's going to be a grand slam home run. He's going to keep the incredible talent that's been leaving Southern California for two decades or decade and a half there and watch what happens next. Then they've got to replace Lincoln uh, Riley at Oklahoma, and that's a developing situation. But I want to – everybody makes fun of Brian Kelly. Brian's clunky, right? Just look at the guy, man. He, he uh, you cannot deny a success, which I'm going to chronicle here in a second. But he's always just got that look on his face, like he just smelled bad flatulence, and he does. He's not a happy-go-lucky guy, but he's successful. He started out at Grand Valley State, a little Division II powerhouse back in the day. Won one national championship after another. That got him going. That got him a promotion to Central Michigan. Immediately had success there. They won the MAC with him. Then he goes to Cincinnati, wins there and leaves the cupboard full for uh, his successors. And then he gets to Notre Dame, and what does he do? He becomes the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, Kelly was courted by LSU prior to last season. But he hung around the Golden Dome, and again, I repeat myself, 
He became the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Yep, the more the new Rockney, Eric Parsegian, Lou Holtz. That's not bad company. He even got the Irish to two college football playoffs in one final when his teams were overmatched. He can win a national championship at LSU. I don't know. He doesn't need the fake Southern accent. Leave the guy alone. It's, I don't know. He's either going to win or he's not. I believe he is going to. All right. Again, he won two national championships at Grand Valley State before turning around the programs at Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. And I think LSU knows they're getting a stud. Now, none of us coaches are coming with him. And I know they're very enthusiastic about Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, and they should be. But remember, he's never coached, been a head coach in a single game. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Brian Kelly didn't go to LSU just for the money and just to win a national championship, which are two big reasons. But he's going to have control there. And there's two things you can never control if you're the coach of Notre Dame. One are admissions, and two are discipline. So Kelly's going to have a lot more autonomy in these things. And uh, I would just say Kelly has proven in the last 11 years he can make offenses work with just about any quarterback and this is something LSU's been lacking historically. And he uh, he gets to be more of a CEO-type coach. Uh, and, he, you know, Notre Dame was was 4-8. and eight. Look, enough about Kelly. He's going to do well at USC. Make fun of him all you want. We'll get to this later in the show, some of the other coaching carousels. I wanted to emphasize him because I think it's a real grand slam for LSU when you're going to see the results. All right, three games that I think the pros really like tomorrow. Philadelphia. Minus the points over the Jets. Eagles bring their number one rush offense. Jalen Hurts, he's been doing his magic. The Jets are a hot mess. Classic game of an Eagles. The better team off a loss versus the Jets. A not very good team off a win. You have to be a contrarian. The Washington football team visits the Raiders. Raiders were initially getting two and a half. Now they're laying one. When the Raiders, when Derek Carr throws for 300 yards or more, the Raiders are 6-0. and 0 and 5 when he doesn't, Redskins have the 30th ranked rush defense or pass defense. Got to hold your nose, but you might want to grab the Steelers one last time. Four and a half points at home. I think it's even part of Collins of Blazing Five. Baltimore giving up six yards per play. And that's a game we'll talk about later in the Fezzik Five. All right, that's going to do it for Straight Out of Vegas. Stay with us. This is Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 